3 a.m. Tales of Terror contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of 3 a.m. Tales of Terror where we tell you stories of the paranormal. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your co-host, Charlie. And in today's episode, we're going to be telling you the story of Edinburgh Castle in Scotland. Well, I guess we can just go ahead and jump right into it. Yeah. Hopefully there's, hopefully you can pronounce some of the words in here because... Roast me. Oh, goodness. I, you know what? At this point, we just do our best. (laughs) All right, Edinburgh Castle, a stronghold that was once residence of Scottish monarchs and now serves mostly as a museum. It stands 443 feet above sea level and overlooks the city of Edinburgh from a volcanic crag called Castle Rock. Castle Rock has been the site of human activity for at least 3,000 years. By 600 CE, a Celtic tribe called the Vododini, or Gododin, had built Eden's Hill Fort on the rock. Also, I want to put a note in here to begin with. I did my darndest to put all of the information because I had to get it from like a few different websites. So I did my best to put all of the information and all of the history from this castle about this castle in order. (laughs) There was I had to get I'm telling you, I had to separate it so much because there was like this history on this website and then there was like this history on this website that skipped the other history that was like in between so i did my darndest so hopefully you guys can follow along (laughs) the settlement built up around the site of din eden a fortress on the rock and thriving roman settlement it wasn't until an invasion by the angles in a.d 638 that the rock became known by its english name edinburgh Edinburgh Town grew out from the castle with the first houses built on the area now called Lawn Market, and then down the slope of the rock forming a single street, the Royal Mile. The street is so called because it was the route that royalty would take when traveling to the castle, and many did tread this path. It became Scotland's chief royal castle in the Middle Ages, taking the role as headquarters for the Sheriff of Edinburgh. Military troops were stationed there, along with the royal gun train, and the crown jewels were stored. The first king of Scotland, who is known to have made his residence on Castle Rock, was Malcolm III Canmore, who reigned from 1058 to 1093. His pious wife, Queen Margaret, who died in the castle in 1093, was later canonized as St. Margaret of Scotland, is commemorated in St. Margaret's Chapel, which was built between about 1130 and 1140 on the highest point of the rock and is the oldest surviving building on the castle grounds. It was King David I who, in 1130, first constructed some of the impressive and formidable buildings we see today. The chapel, dedicated to his mother, Queen Margaret, still stands as the oldest building in Edinburgh. It survived a continual series of damage during the War of the Scottish Independence with the old enemy, the English. Between 1296 and 1341, the castle was twice captured by English invaders and twice retaken by the Scots. David's Tower, some 100 feet in height, 
was built to honor King David II, who died in the castle in 1371, but was substantially destroyed in a siege 200 years later. A giant cannon named Mons Meg was installed in 1457 and can still be seen. The Great Hall, which also survives, was completed by James IV in 1511. In an adjacent building called the Royal Palace is the room where James VI, the future King James I of England, was born in 1566. Following the destructive siege of 1571 to 1573, the castle's defenses were strengthened with the construction of the Half Moon Battery and the Portcullis Gate. The last monarch to stay overnight in Edinburgh Castle was Charles I in 1633. Edinburgh Castle was besieged repeatedly during the 17th and early 18th centuries. It was captured twice, briefly, by Covenanters during the Bishops' War of 1639 and 1640, and was seized by Oliver Cromwell's new model army in 1650 during the English Civil Wars. Between 1689 and 1745, after the restoration in 1660 of the monarchy, Jacobite rebels unsuccessfully besieged the castle several times in their attempts to undo the Glorious Revolution of 1688 in which King James II was deposed. Between 1757 and 1814, the castle housed prisoners of war taken by the British in the Seven Years' War, the American Revolution, and the Napoleonic Wars. Still in use by the British military are the new barracks. So, so far, we're still good on the timeline. (laughs) So, so far, I did good. (laughs) Elsewhere on the castle grounds, Scotland honors its military tradition in the Scottish National War Memorial that opened in 1927, and the National War Museum opened in 1933. Edinburgh Castle is now one of Scotland's top tourist sites, attracting more than one million visitors annually. It has been part of the old and new towns of Edinburgh, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, since 1995. Edinburgh Castle is the traditional repository of the Honours of Scotland, the country's crown jewels. A more ancient relic of Scottish royalty is the Stone of Scone, or Stone of Destiny, which arrived at the castle only in 1996, exactly 700 years after it was removed to England. The stone is a block of sandstone upon which Scottish monarchs were traditionally crowned. Just outside the castle drawbridge is a large open area called the Edinburgh Castle Esplanade, where grandstand seating is installed annually for an international military music festival called the Royal Edinburgh Military Tattoo and for other summer concerts. An event that takes place with the greater frequency is the firing of a loud cannon on castle grounds at exactly 1 p.m. six days a week. The one o'clock gun, as it is known, was first fired in 1861 as a timekeeping service for ships anchored on the nearby Firth of Forth. So now we're getting into the ghost of Edinburgh Castle. If you visit Edinburgh Castle, you might see more than battlements, cannons, and chapels. Like every medieval fortress worth its salt, the ancient stronghold allegedly boasts a whole array of restless spirits that can make an appearance on your next visit. First, we have the Grey Lady. Arguably, the most tragic is a mysterious lady dressed like a 16th century noblewoman who has been spotted around the older parts of the castle, sometimes just wandering about, other times weeping. 
Well, she would be, considering that she is associated with two equally unfortunate historical figures. Some say that she might be Janet Douglas, Lady Glamis, a woman accused of witchcraft by a vengeful King James V who took his grudge against her brother out on her. Even then, everyone knew that accusations were baseless, but Janet Douglas was burned at the stake outside the castle on July 17, 1537, in front of her son. If that isn't enough to turn someone into a restless spirit, I'm not sure what would be. Others speculate that the lady could be Mary de Guise, the Catholic mother and regent of Mary, Queen of Scots. Mary de Guise found herself on the losing side of the Scottish Reformation. When she died in June of 1560, her corpse was kept at the castle for months, wrapped in cloth and kept in a lead coffin to keep the smell at bay, before Protestant nobles finally allowed her remains to be shipped home to France. I mean, if I was accused of witchcraft and burned at the stake like that, I would definitely haunt the place that did it to me. I mean, no wonder... Salem is so haunted. Also, this is not the first story that we've had a ghost called the Great Lady. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. So when I, I was like kind of a common color for a ghost. Yeah. Well, when I was researching, because I researched all these stories pretty much almost on the same day. And I was like, oh my God, there are so many freaking stories with a Great Lady. Why? <laughs> Next, we have the unlucky prisoner. There have also been reports of a ghostly man who smells distinctly of manure and tries to push visitors over the castle's battlements. The story goes that he was one of the many poor souls imprisoned in the castle's dark, damp, rat-infested dungeons. Desperate to escape, he crawled into a wheelbarrow full of muck, hoping to be taken out of the castle and emptied onto a nice, soft dung heap. But the wheelbarrow was tipped over the battlements instead, and the poor man broke his neck on the jagged slopes of Castle Rock. That's sad. I mean, I don't really know. Like, it doesn't really say what he did to be imprisoned. Because he pushes people over the castle's battlements, like, after he's a ghost. So, I mean, unless he did that in life. I mean, maybe he's like, well, I got thrown off the balcony, so you're going to get thrown off. (laughs) Probably. I don't know. Okay, so we got two more ghosts that may possibly haunt the castle. We have, uh, well, three, technically. The Piper and the Drummer. Two of the castle's best-known ghostly apparitions are soldiers. Legend has it that many years ago, the entrance to an underground tunnel, perhaps an escape route in case of siege, was discovered in the depths of the fortress. A regimental bagpiper was persuaded to explore the tunnel, playing his pipes as he descended so as he descended so his comrades above ground could follow his progress. But at the Tron Kirk, halfway down the Royal Mile, his underground piping stopped. Soldiers went down to look for the piper, but he was never seen again. The tunnel was sealed. And today, people still claim to hear the faint sound of bagpipes underneath the cobbles of the old town. Another military ghost seen on the castle's battlements is that of a headless drummer. This grisly figure was first seen drumming a warning signal in 1650, just before the castle was attacked by Oliver Cromwell. Ever since then, the headless drummer has been considered a harbinger of danger. And last but not least, we have the good boy. If you hear the bark of a dog in Edinburgh's old town, yet there's nothing near, it could be Bobby, a phantom sky terrier that is known to all in the city. 
The faithful hound spent 14 years guarding his master's grave until he finally passed away in 1872 and was buried in Greyfriars Kirkland near to his owner. People still hear his little bark near his grave. A small statue of Greyfriars Bobby is a popular landmark on the corner of the Candlemaker Row. Some people claim it's good luck to rub Bobby's nose, but others say it's just a tall tale created by tour guides in the city. Regardless, this tale of canine loyalty is so famous, it was even turned into a Disney movie back in the 1960s. And that Disney movie is literally just called Greyfriars Bobby. I looked it up. So. And also, that statue, I have heard of that statue before. So, like, what's really cool about that statue is that... It's it's a black statue, right? But its nose is gold. Yes, yes, because people rub it. It's so it's really cute. I will definitely be posting pictures they, of it. They have like another one in like Japan mm-hmm. from that famous movie that brought everyone to tears. Mm-hmm. About like the Shibu Inuit. Yeah. Dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it turns obviously it it turned their nose the nose on the dog turns gold because oh it's copper because oh, yeah. the oils on people's hands rub it off yeah so. they rub off all the dirt and stuff like well they rub off the outer layer yeah so but it, it's really cool it's a really cute statue and it literally it's just like it's nose and then like it's little because it's a terrier so you know kind of like pup she's got like like a mustache type thing so that's what terriers have so sometimes they'll rub like its nose i guess and then like you know rub its little face it's really cute <laughs> so and it's really cute that he was he was such a loyal dog. I he, know. He was just a puppy. <laughs> he was an old puppy at yeah. the end. Yeah. I like this story. I think, I know, I think the history, there is a lot more history than there is haunting. But, I mean, it's still a good story. And I think I did do a good job of putting all the history yeah, in order. Yeah, it was all really good. <laughs> when I, but I'm telling you, when I was researching it, it was all over the freaking place. I was like, what is happening? So, I don't know. I liked this story. It's an also a little bit of a shorter story, shorter episode. But, you know. We'll have some long ones. We'll have some short ones. and That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yep. Because, I mean, and I hope, like, it's it's cool with you guys that we do, you know, that not all of our episodes are the same, the same exact length. Because, unfortunately researching these stories i want to get as much history as i can and sometimes in doing that there's only so much you can get and yeah if we shot for the same time frame for everything we'd either cut things out or just drag on about the same thing right and i don't want the episodes to get boring to you guys so i just don't it's not always going to be the same length because this story would not have been good enough to another adding another story with this would not have it would have been too long I feel like so you know a shorter episode every now and then I guess is it's fine with us so I don't I just hope it's fine with you guys so and you know sometimes we have longer episodes with one story and we'll have longer episodes with two stories and we'll have shorter episodes with two stories and shorter episodes with one story i know you know the i know the biggest thing with podcast is consistency but 
you know, I, I was, I'm this really hoping. This is our consistency. Yeah. <laughs> if it's I'm, something else, you should be concerned. I'm really hoping that, you know, the consistency of the fact that it comes out on the same time, the same day, every week is, is good enough for you guys, honestly. <laughs> Just because I know a lot of you that, a, a lot of people that I've talked to, a lot of my friends, their consistency thing that they want is that the story keeps them interested. So I just hope that, you know, that goes well, that goes over well with, you know, everybody is that you just want it to be the same. You want it to be interesting and it comes out on the same day every week, Fridays at 3 a.m. And I also I put it out on Fridays at 3 a.m. So that way you guys can listen to it on your way to work or whatever. So on a weekend at the night around a bonfire. Yeah. And the reason that I did Fridays, because originally we can talk about this for a second. Originally, I was going to do Saturdays at 3 a.m., but my thing is, so, like, I listen to Scared to Death, and so they post their episodes at on Fridays at 6 p.m. I don't have time to listen to that over the weekend, so I don't listen to podcasts on the weekend. I literally only listen to podcasts when I'm driving, so I wanted to put it out at a time where hopefully somebody could listen to it while they're driving within its first, like, couple of days that it that it comes out so I know I I just hope that you know it still works for everybody and if it ever I mean if it ever needs to change just let me know but consistency is a big thing and we're we're probably I don't even know what episode this number is going to be might be 30 something yeah they'll probably be in the 30s because this this is the fifth episode that we've recorded today and the things we do for y'all <laughs> and we're already well the only reason that we're that we recorded so many episodes today is because i just got a new job and it requires me to work on saturdays yeah and the holidays are coming up and we're going to the renaissance festival next saturday so there's going to be a few saturdays over the next month or two that we're not going to be able to get together so we're making for a little bit longer days to record and make sure that we have episodes that come out for you guys just like we would if we were going on vacation or one of us was going on vacation. You know, we want to make sure that you still get that consistency. And I mean, unless one of us is like dying, <laughs> like <laughs> sick, then we shouldn't really ever miss an episode. Yeah. And even still with that, you know, we should because we record so many episodes on the same day. We should have enough to go further in advance. We try to be prepared. Oh yeah, definitely be prepared. So <laughs> I know some podcasts, they just record that, you know, the day before they post it or the day that they are posting it. And I'm like, those are probably getting paid. Yeah. We don't have time to do that yet. So we'll get there eventually. Maybe so with y'all support. Yeah. Well, anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this story. Um, I think I forgot resources. Yes. One second. I know Britannica's one. Yes. Yeah, so We're back to high school. <laughs> so uh, resources for this episode are Britannica.com, Historic-UK.com, Mercatours.com, Mercattours.com, and Hotels.com. So I hope you guys enjoyed the story. It was a cute, short one. So, I mean... Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. I always love with like ghost animals. Oh, yeah. Ghost animals are the best. <laughs> the only kind of ghost that I want to be around. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye.
Thanks for coming to hang out with us and letting us tell you stories. Don't forget, you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at 3AM Tales of Terror. You can find pictures from each episode there as well as our website, 3, the number 3, 3AMTalesOfTerror.com. You can also subscribe with your email at our website for updates as well. If you have any questions or story ideas for us, you can email us at info at 3AMTalesOfTerror.com. That's a three and not the word. If you want to support us, you can sign up to become part of our Patreon. There, you will get ad-free episodes as well as bonus content. We hope you'll join us next week. And And we hope you are terrified. terrified.